was a video clip of something real that happened. It was a live clip at the time um, of Germany back during the Cold War in 1960s. Germany was split in two. And what happened was they decided in Berlin they were going to put up this big wall that would separate the city straight across the city and it would keep people from one side getting over into the other side and basically escaping where they lived. They didn't want them getting out. So essentially they were making them prisoners in their own home. And so hundreds of thousands of people tried to escape. Some people made it. Most were arrested. And hundreds and hundreds of people were shot and killed on the spot for trying to just get to a point where they could be free. They were looking for freedom. And so finally, in, in the 1990s, I think it was 1992, finally, the wall, that, that video that you just saw, was broken down. They had that machine up there, and it was, it was tearing that wall apart. You saw the reaction of the people. Like, people are sitting around, and they're screaming, and they're shouting, and they're chanting. You have people who are, like, singing songs, others who are putting up, like, their lighters in the air, like, just standing there watching this beautiful sight as that wall comes down piece by piece to finally say, we're free. Like, we have freedom, finally, after 30 years of being stuck here as prisoners in our own homes, in our own country, we finally get to have freedom. And their hearts were full of joy, and they start rejoicing and cheering and having this crazy awesome time as they're watching their freedom happen block by block. And it's a really cool thing to look across history and see so many examples of that. All throughout history, all across the world, examples where people are held captive, where they're made to be slaves, where they're beaten and tortured. We know the story from the Bible in the Old Testament of the Jewish people who are constantly in slavery, whether it was in Egypt through Pharaoh or the Assyrians, or the Persians, or the Babylonians, or even up to modern day when Adolf Hitler in Germany took them in the Holocaust, made them prisoners, made them slaves. We know stories that we can read today. If you Google it, Google it online, you can find excerpts from the Holocaust of some of these people who survived as they were taken off into watching their family get, get taken off into gas chambers and gassed or shot and killed or worked to get death or beaten or starved. Imagine every day waking up and that be you. Stuck behind walls, unable to get out, starving, being beaten, being treated unfairly. Watching people you love every day when you wake up fearing that they're going to be the one to die that day. And that's your life with no hope that that will ever end. Thinking every single morning as you wake up, here's another day just like yesterday. And how their hearts must have longed for freedom. Imagine if that were your life. But then the day comes where someone comes up behind you and they tap you on the shoulder and they whisper in your ear and they say, they're rescuing us. The armies are right outside the walls. They're here to free us. Imagine what would happen in your heart just to hear that whisper in your ear. What would that do to you? What joy would that put in you? Would you not want to run to the next person next to you and tap them on the shoulder and whisper so nobody else would hear, no guards would hear you, but they would be able to be full of joy to hear? They're here to save us. Today's the day we're getting out. I bet we would look a lot like the people in that, but probably way, way more excited to know that today is the day of our freedom. 
to be the bearer of that good news that we get to be free today, free of the pain and the beatings and the oppression and the starving. Today's the day I get to be free. And they're here to rescue me. That's awesome, awesome news for a person to hear in that situation. You know, you and I have a similar story. You and I have a story because we're born into slavery. From the moment we take our first breath, you and I are slaves to sin, to the things of this world, to our greatest enemy, which is death, which none of us can beat. We can all challenge it, we can all try, but one day it's coming for every one of us. We will die, and death will win that physical battle. Our greatest foe is coming for us. And it makes us its slave because we fear it every day. But Jesus comes along and says, listen, I'm here to free you. I'm here to free you so you don't have to be a slave to death and fear it any longer. And it can come all at once because I'm going to give you eternal life. And it's no longer your greatest foe. It can do nothing to you. And Jesus taps you on the shoulder and he whispers in your ear, hey, I'm here to free you. I'm here to rescue you. You will be saved. Man, what would that do to your heart? For those of you who have believed in Jesus, what has that done in your heart? When you heard that good news for the first time, maybe from your pastor or friend or a parent, or maybe you read it for yourself in the Bible, and those words just, just exploded in your ears as you heard, I'm free. Eternal life is mine. Been forgiven. I'm no longer a slave. That is good news. Man, to be rescued. And I think of it this way. Recently, you guys will pull up that video you guys have seen in the news. Not too long ago, there was a team, a soccer team of boys from Thailand who were caught in a cave. And they didn't think they'd be able to get them out. They were like, these guys are just dead. But there was a moment where they figured out a plan and they were able to rescue these boys and to watch the news reports of the reaction of the parents of these kids when they were actually pulled out of the water, it's awesome. I want you guys to just watch this for one second. Today is the best day, she says. The dad says, I don't even know how to repay these guys. What could I repay them with for saving my son? How incredible when the news reaches you to hear you're saved. You've been rescued. And I'll tell you what, I believe it with all my heart tonight that I have been rescued by Jesus Christ. And it is the greatest joy of my life to know that as I, Rob Jones, lived my life as a sinner, a slave to death and a slave to sin, Jesus came along one day and he whispered in my ear and told me that I was rescued by him. And as I placed my faith that he had died on a cross for my sin to pay my penalty and that he rose again from the dead to give me life. And all I had to do was place my life and trust in him and say, Jesus, you are my king. And as I did that, Jesus says, for believing that I can save you, I save you and forgive you and free you from slavery. And in that moment, man, I jump up with joy. I'm so excited that I have been rescued from death that I've been freed from slavery, that Jesus came down and did something I can never pay him back. I got nothing. I have nothing to offer you, Jesus, but myself. And praise God, he saved a dirty, rotten sinner like Rob Jones, and he's now made me his child and a king of heaven. 
It's all his work and his love. And I'll tell you what, to me, it's the best news I've ever heard in my life. Never heard anything more beautiful than that. And it makes my heart jump up with joy, and it makes me want to tell people the same thing, which is why tonight I'm standing here. Which is why tonight I'm not somewhere else. Because I want you to hear that same good news that I believe with all my heart. It's good news. You've been freed. If you place your trust in Jesus, He will forgive you of your sin. He'll give you life. He'll free you from slavery to this world. That's good news. Is it good to you? Do you hear it and view it as amazing, unbelievable news? And tonight I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. As you receive that as good news, this is what Jesus calls us to do. It's a prophecy back. Isaiah is speaking here. In Isaiah 40, verse 9, it says, Go on up to a high mountain. O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. I love to hear that he's commanding these people who have received the greatest message ever that they would go up onto this mountain and herald out the good news. And and look with me just for a second, because he gives us some really practical advice on how to do this. If you're like me, as you believe in the good news, you believe in Jesus, you're like, so Jesus, what do I do next? How do I actually do this thing? And I feel like there's some practical advice in here for us. For those of us who might be nervous to share our faith or to talk to a friend about Jesus, I think there's some words of encouragement in this passage for us tonight as we believe it's really good news. And first it says to go up on a high mountain. You're like, why would I do that? I mean, I like hiking, but like, what's what's the point of that? I think we find in that that we need to put ourselves in the right place. Jesus is saying, or Isaiah is saying, that we need to go up on this mountain. Have you ever gone hiking or anything like that? Anybody gone up like where there's actually mountains, not Florida, which is totally flat, and sand dunes don't count, like real mountains, right? And you've been up on the top of a mountain, and maybe you've yelled. I I went hiking with Nathan Chapman. I don't know if you guys remember who that is, but he's a youth pastor a ways back here, and he was a good friend of mine. We went hiking, and we went to the Appalachian Trail, and we were hiking up this thing, and Mr. Chupka was with us, if you know who that is. We're just having an awesome time, just having fun hiking this trail. And we got to this one place where we're like way up on this peak, And it was just overlooking the whole place. And because we're just crazy and weird and maybe a little nerdy, we were just started screaming. We're just like, and like, as we noticed, like, as we're screaming, you could hear your voice just travel for miles and miles. And it was strange because like you would yell out. And in this particular spot, as you yelled out, you'd stop yelling. And still like five or 10 seconds later, you're still hearing the echo of your voice bouncing off these other peaks that are so far away. It was like the weirdest thing, but it was so cool to hear. And we're commanded to go up onto a high mountain because if you go down into the valley and you scream, your voice just gets muffled by the trees and the walls of the valley. Not many people are going to hear you down there. But you learn if you know how to hike that you go up on top of this mountain and if you scream, people are going to hear you for miles around. 
what Isaiah is saying is put yourself in a position where people can hear you. Now, you and I can do this practically. We might not be scaling mountains every day. I get that, especially in Florida. But we can put ourselves in a position where people will hear the message. You see, if we only hang out with Christian friends all the time, and we have a Christian bubble and stay at church all the time, and we never have unbelievers around us, then unbelievers are not going to hear the gospel from us. We're not putting ourselves in a position where there are some people that we've accepted into our group who might not be Christians that are right there to clearly hear us herald the good news to them. They're in a position in my life. Maybe they're on your sports team. Maybe they're in your class. Maybe it's your mom and dad, brother or sister. And what Isaiah is calling us to do is to put ourselves in a position where people can actually hear you. And many of us are hiding in the church. Maybe we're scared to be in that position. It's easier to hang out with people who believe what I believe. It's safer that way, and it's not as scary. But maybe God's calling your group of Christian friends to invite one or two unbelievers into your group so you can tell them how awesome this news is, so they can hear it and have hope. Are you living your life in a position where people will hear the good news from you? And then he says, O Zion, that means Israel, Herald of good news. At first, like I remember this, my buddy, my neighbor had a cat named Harold, and uh, I was like, "Is that he's talking? How did Harold get in the Bible?" It was like such an ugly cat. I was like, "What is going on here?" I look up the word, and you know, the word Harold is like back in the day. If you've seen like medieval movies, like with jousting and stuff, this dude comes out usually big, weird, like feather cap and like really tight, like spandex or something, whatever. And and he comes out and he's like, bum, bum, right? And he's like, "Thou heralding." King Matthew Denier, the king of blah, 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 lord of blah, blah, blah. And he just like goes on and on, right? And he's like saying all this awesome stuff. He's got the best hair in the nation, you know, like whatever. And like, you can stroke his beard. It's so great. And you're like, he says all this awesome stuff about the king. And that's his job. He comes out and he's like, hey, everybody, be quiet. Listen, the king's on his way is basically what he's doing. He's heralding some news that's really important. Because if the king comes out and you're cutting up, he's probably going to kill you. You know, like you want to know this. You want to pay attention. Or the herald's job would also be just to come out to the people and, and announce really important news so people would know what's going on. He would announce if there was war coming. He had a very important job. It was to make sure the people knew the news. And that's, that's the verb that's used here. When Isaiah looks at the people of Israel and says, hey, go out and herald this news. This is an important position that's been given to you, believers in Jesus Christ. It's been given to us to go out and make sure the people know they need to know the news. That they are dead in sin. That without Jesus, they have no hope of eternal life. They have an eternity of punishment in hell waiting for them. But a good God who loves them has sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for them. And if they place their trust and faith in Jesus, they can be saved from that hell. That's the news they need to hear. And God's given that position, that role to you and I as his church, as believers to go out, put ourselves in a position where unbelievers will hear us, and we herald that good news to them because it means so much to you and I. And then he says, lift up your voice with strength. You know, it's an interesting thing, but my brother, 
when he was a little younger, was having his first child with his wife, and they had shown up at our house, and I was still, I was just a younger dude, and I was living with my parents still, and, and um, he came, he pulled me aside, he's like, hey, listen, just want to let you know, you're going to be an uncle. And it was great news, like, that's awesome, you know, like, he was going to have a, a kid, and I was so excited, and he's like, hey, but listen, one thing, I don't want you to tell mom yet, I haven't told her, I want to be the one to tell her. I want to see your face light up, I want to see your smile, I want to be able to be the one to tell her, so don't say anything. You know, you've probably had news like that. Good news that you've wanted to be the one. You wanted the privilege of being able to go up to somebody and give them that good news, to see their face light up, to see them react. You know, like it's somebody's birthday, and you wanted to be the one to walk up and be the first to say happy birthday and to see them be like, oh, thank you. You know, like it's awesome to be the bringer of good news. There's something important about being God's herald. Because the news has already affected you. He's already saved you. He's already given it to you. And now he's called you to bring it to others. And he calls us in this way. He says, lift up your voice with strength. You know, when I was a little kid, a lot of you guys know this about me, happy cover your ears, that when I was a kid and I would go to school, I was such a nervous kid that I would throw up every single day on my way to class. The janitors hated me in that school because they're always cleaning. It was terrible. And so I was nervous. Well, the first day came where I had to give a presentation in front of my class. I remember it was first grade. Mrs. Hester was my teacher. So the presentation was basically one index card with five sentences I had to write about a bird. Like, that was it. But still, okay, it's first grade. Come on. Like, that was a big deal. And I had never spoken in front of a crowd before like that. And I couldn't even walk to class. Like, I'm puking in the hallway just going to class. And they want me to get up in front of everybody? I was like, how do I do this? And so I take my little card. I remember it was orange. Neon orange was the color of my index card because it was the 80s. Actually, was it the 80s? Oh, my gosh, I'm old. So, yeah. And so I'm carrying this thing. Maybe it was early 90s. Um, no, it was 80s. <laughs> and I walk up there, and, like, I'm nauseous. I'm weak. I feel my legs just felt so weak, and my knees are shaking. And I'm looking down and seeing sweat just, like, drop off my body. And I'm, like, I go to speak, and my throat just feels like it's closing up. And I'm trying to swallow, but I can't swallow because it's so dry and so like swollen of fear or something weird and that I just couldn't and my tongue was dry and I was just like about to, my teacher thought I had the flu. She was going to send me home. She's like, you must be sick. I don't know what's wrong with you, but it was just my fear. It was nervousness had kicked in so badly that I couldn't even speak. Literally couldn't get the words out because I just kept swallowing every time I tried to talk. I was so scared. And some of us have that same emotion kick into us as God's like, hey, listen, I want you to tell them about me. And he's very clear with us. We know, we can feel it in our heart, but immediately we go, "Uh uh-uh, I'm way too scared. Our throat starts to close, we start to get nervous, and we start to give ourselves reasons why I don't need to do that. God, you must be mistaken. I'm way too scared. You wouldn't call me. Do you know how shy I am? Do you know how timid I am? I just puked out my pizza outside, just coming in the room. Come on, God, and you want me to go talk to people? Like, I can't share your gospel. It's way too important. You must not be calling me. And all these things, all these thoughts start coming into my mind. 
to talk myself out of obeying what God's called me to do when he says, just share the good news. It's good. It's really good. If you believe it's really good, you're going to think they're going to respond like, it's good. And if we at least share, we give people the choice. And they can decide whether they think it's good or not. That's up to them. But my heart's convinced it's good. And so he says here, lift up your voice with strength. Don't be held back by this fear. He says that in a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But there's this strength in the way we speak that makes it so clear. Not because we're like Bible scholars or professional speakers or pastors or any of that. Just because we believe it's true. And I'm going to tell you what Jesus did for me. And I'm going to say it with strength. And I'm not going to back off. I want you to clearly hear it. And so first he says, go up all the way on top of this mountain so everyone can hear you. Put yourself in a position where people can hear the good news. And second, he says, shout it out in obedience. Shout it out. Don't just play telephone and quietly pass it around the room and hopefully everybody hears it. Or try to be so good that maybe they'll see it in my actions and just guess. Like it's charades. He says, shout out the good news. Now, I don't necessarily think he means stand on a street corner and scream at the top of your lungs and scare everybody away. And I think sometimes God does use that. But I think God's just saying, obey me and speak when I tell you to and speak without fear. Speak clearly the thing I put in your heart whether it be quietly whispering in your neighbor's uh, uh, ear as they say, not in a weird, creepy way either, right? Because that's just bad. But like in your class, who's like, man, you need to know about Jesus. Or, Or sitting next to somebody at lunch that you know needs to know about Christ to intentionally be their friend and share them, share with them the good news. He says, say it with strength. And then he says, oh, Jerusalem, herald of good news. He says it again, that's twice. And you guys know you've heard enough of uh, teaching around here in this church to know that when we hear Jewish, um, like Old Testament verses that repeat, that just is a sign of importance. Like, hey, don't miss this. It's like them taking a highlighter and just slapping it across the page on that phrase and say, I'm going to say it again. It's so important. Don't miss this. And this phrase here that comes back up is so we get it. We understand our job here is to herald the good news. That the second you heard it and the second Jesus took that wall and crushed it down of your slavery, he gave you a job to do. It was a privilege. It was an honor that you get to bring the greatest news anyone will ever hear and you get to whisper it into the ears of people who need it. That's an honor that you and I get. There's nothing greater. He says, herald the good news. He says, lift it up. Fear not. Go to the mountaintop so they can hear it. Say it strongly, clearly so they hear it. And then he says, and obey without fear. You know, the one thing holding you back from sharing the gospel with people is your own fear. You're holding yourself back if you don't share. Nothing else is. Your own fear is stopping you from obeying Jesus when he calls you and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, hey, listen, that person right there, they need to hear. Say something to them and you're like, no, no. It's your own fear telling God no that's saying I can't do this. 
How cool if you were to say, God, I'm obeying you without fear. And he takes you and he honors the things that you said. And then you see this incredible miracle that God does because you obeyed without fear. And you watch as he changes somebody's life and puts hope in their heart and saves them for eternity because you had the courage to not fear, to trust the one who could do all that he calls you to do. That's why he calls us to herald the good news without fear. He says, say to the cities of Judah. That's that next phrase. You know, there's an intended recipient of this message. There's somebody he wants to hear this message. He's not just saying go out and randomly just start screaming it all over the place, which is awesome too. I hope you do it. It's great because it's not good news. I'm not going to think you're crazy. I get it, right? But when you go out there, he does have people he wants to hear. And he's calling you, specifically you tonight, where you're sitting, you, to specific people. There are real-life people with real-life names and families that God has in his heart right now said, I want you to talk to them. I'm calling you, Rob Jones, to walk over to this person, John Smith, over here, and I want you to tell them about the good news. I have their heart in mind when I command this to you. What are the names of the people that God's calling you to share the good news to? What are their names? As they sit in your class at school this year, as you play in the same soccer or basketball or football team as them, go to the same club, hang out in the same places, people that you go to the movies with all the time, who are they? What are their names? Because God has intended people that he wants you specifically to bring this good news to. And the thing holding you back from doing it is your own fear. Because God says, I'm big enough to make this thing work. Trust me and obey. Will you think of their names? Will you put those names in your head and your heart right now and say, God, I want to obey you. That person, that Joe and John and Mary and whoever your name is, those people, I'm going to obey God. I'm giving up this fear that's holding me back. I'm trusting you. I'm going to bring them the good news. They're my mission. They're the ones you've decided for me to bring it to. God, yes, I'm obeying. Give up the fear. He ends with this phrase. This is what we're supposed to say. Behold your God. You see, when we're stuck in sin, there's no beholding our God. When you're a slave to yourself and your own desires in this world, and all you can think about is sinful things and making yourself content and satisfied, there's no place to behold and look at the face of your God because you don't have access to your God. You're lost in slavery of sin. And so when we're able to walk up to people and say those precious words, behold your God, what we're saying is you have the opportunity. Jesus made the way. You're no longer stuck in blindness and slavery, destined for hell for eternity. Jesus came and made a way for you to look up and behold your God with your own eyes. You can be in his presence you can spend eternity at his side, forgiven and loved with a purpose. Behold him. 
look at him and make him make let him make you fall on your face before him because he's so incredible. Open your eyes. That is good news. Oh, that's the greatest news. It trumps all other news. There's nothing so great that you could come tell me than the fact that my God loves me and has forgiven me and died for me. And now I have eternity promised with him at his side. That's the message we're called to share. Will you share it? Will you consider it so amazing for yourself, for you, as you wake up every morning and you say, good morning, God. I couldn't wait to wake up and just say good morning to you, Dad. I can't, sp- I can't wait to spend the day with you, to grab you by the hand and to walk down the road and see the things you're going to do in my life today and just spend every minute with you, God, to watch you work and do miracles, to watch you change my life, to see what you're going to teach me, maybe to give me the opportunity to try some things and fail or succeed in your, in your power. But God, I want today to be about being with you. Because this is incredible news that you would love me. When it's that good to your heart, you're going to share it. You can't contain it. You can't hold it in. So I want to ask you today, as we just bow our heads and close our eyes for one second, will you do that? Can I ask you that? It's the same thing I've been asking from the beginning of this message. Is it good news to you? Have you received it? Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I've never actually been saved by Jesus. I've never received good news. I've never asked God to forgive me and to save me. And tonight, I want that. I want to be saved. I want to live forever. I want to be forgiven by God and made right with him. If that's you tonight and you want to receive that, will you do me a favor? I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God helps you walk through that. Can I just ask you to raise your hand up? Just right where you're at, just slip your hand in the air and say, that's me. Like, will you just pray for me tonight, Rob? So tonight I can pray for you. I want to be saved. I want it to be good news. I want to receive it tonight. Anybody else? You can put your hand up. Thank you. Maybe you're here tonight, you're like, it is good news, but I'm that, I'm that person who's received it, and now I'm stuck in fear. I'm like you, throwing up on the sidewalk, Rob. Like, when God says, go speak, I get nervous. I'm kind of like Moses going to speak to Pharaoh. I'm scared out of my mind, and I don't know if I can do it, and I want the strength from God to be able to obey without fear. Will you pray for me? Is that you tonight? Can you just slip your hand up in there and say, that's me, I want courage. I want courage to give up this fear and to share boldly the good news of Jesus with others. Thank you for being honest. Anybody else? Is there anyone else in that boat tonight? Give me the strength, God, to share my faith. I see your hands. Anybody else? I'm with you. Let me pray for you right now, and then we'll continue to worship and shout out this good news through worship. Father, thank you that we get to open up your love letter to us. God, your word that tells us that you died for us, that you love us so much that you've given everything so we can be saved and forgiven. God, that's good news. Thank you. God, thank you. 
for all of those in this room that have accepted that and have been saved, my brothers and sisters, that I will stand at the gates of heaven one day and embrace. God, thank you for saving them. And I pray for those who have not accepted you as their Savior, who are bold, and they raise their hands tonight, and they want to know you as their Savior. God, will you cause them to speak to me or to a leader tonight before they leave? And just say, look, I want to accept Jesus. I want to be forgiven. And Lord, for those who raised their hands and they said, hey, I'm honest. I'm scared sometimes when you call me to, to share my faith. God, will you give them boldness? Convince them of how good this news is. Excite them. Let it fill their heart with joy. And let it spill out of their mouth, free of fear, as they tell their friends and their neighbors and their families boldly about Jesus to the people that you have intended. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.